Welcome to the Want to Learn Podcast. I'm your host, France Tapon. In this episode, I have Vanille Makwaka. She is a South African entrepreneur who is fascinating. She went to business school dreaming of being an overworked, overpaid investment banker. But then she listened to her soul and said, you know what? I should write nonfiction books. It sounds kind of similar. <laughs> Somebody like you know, like me. And she did write a nonfiction book called Heart, Mind, and Body. In this 20-minute episode, we talk about how she overcame depression that has afflicted her throughout her early life. Then she had another challenge, how to get out of $60,000 of debt, which is quite a bit of money, especially for a South African. And then we also talk about the travel woes that she has to face trying to get travel visas as a South African. But we start the conversation with a very simple and seemingly obvious question, which is, where is South Africa? Surprisingly, not everybody knows the answer. Oh, and, and the great thing about South Africa is that you can always, it's one of these few countries you don't have to explain where it is. Because mm, the, the answer yeah. is in the name. I mean, <laughs> if you're that stupid, I'm just like, <laughs> it's one of the only countries you're like, I'm in South Africa. Where is that? Uh, yes. Okay, you failed the IQ test. <laughs> if you don't know where South Africa is. I got asked that a lot. I get asked that a lot on my travels, really? believe it or not. Where is South Africa? No, yeah. no. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Where, where, who's asking these questions? Um, well, when I lived in the U.S., I got asked a lot. God, <laughs> how embarrassing. I was in Boston, mainly. I started off in Florida, in Orlando, Florida, and then I left for, uh, I was there for a while, and then I left, went to England, then was in the Caribbean for a while, came back to South Africa, then got offered a scholarship and a partial scholarship and loan to go do my MBA in Boston. So I went there. And then I just ended up staying and just living. At the time, I had it in my head, believe it or not, that I wanted to really get into investment banking. I had these dreams. And I used to say this, I want to work 16-hour days. Don't ask me why. I want to be in investment banking. I want to do just like everything in the banking sphere, everything. And then I started struggling with depression. And that's also why I say, because I don't want to, I don't want my travels to be me running away from myself and from my depression and from my panic attacks. So I literally stayed so that I could work through all that and heal it. And once I felt the depression start to shift and go, which it has. So this was from 2008 through to 2011, the end of 2011, I just felt this incredible shift in 2011 after Vipassana and I just never felt depressed again, having still touched wood, <laughs> it continues. And what advice would just, you give somebody who is depressed? I mean, for me, what I can only share what I did because I think it's so different for everyone. I've given different people advice and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't because our root causes are very different at times for me what I did was I decided to lean into it which is crazy I know because people are being taught to 
go uh, to find something to basically get out of it. I stopped fighting it. I leaned into it. I actually started meditating. I changed my entire diet. I approached it from a very holistic standpoint. I went vegan. I started doing yoga. So I did the physical stuff. I started breath work. I did EFT tapping. I started, um, I went to Vipassana for 10 days, which for me, Vipassana was the most transformative. But I did everything holistically. I started resting more. I started, I changed my, um, I guess the things that I felt were causing a lot of depression in my life, which was also comparing myself to other people, looking at where I thought I had to be in my life. I changed my points of references and started working from inside out, started looking at what do I truly want for my life? What is it that will truly make me happy, even if it's not by society standards, and started living according to that. I journaled a lot. Yeah, I just, um, I chucked out a lot of things that were just not helpful to me. I got out of a lot of social media groups, limited my on-screen time with things, started hiking, got into nature more, really, really just focused on what is it that makes me feel alive and connecting with nature, connecting with my inner being, really um, getting into my body. And that... I mean, that has transformed my whole life, like completely and totally. It doesn't matter what's happening now. It's just transformed. When were you depressed first, like as a teenager or when you came to America? When did the depression hit? And then when did you get out of it? How long did it take from the moment that you started taking all these steps that you just talked about? Did it take one year to six months, two years? How long did it take to get out of it? So when did it start? How long did it last? and and, And how long did it take you to get out of it? Oh, that is such a good question. So I've been depressed. I struggled with depression since I was 14. And I was in therapy since the age of 14 to the age of uh, 17. So for four years, solid, I did therapy twice a week uh, for four years in my teens. And in then it kind of stopped when I got, yes. And then I, and then I, uh, went to varsity and it kind of stopped, but I realized it didn't. I just had coping tools from therapy. Like what therapy did was it gave me the tools to be able to maneuver it and to keep it at bay. But then I guess like the stress of the MBA program, doing everything, like being in such a highly competitive environment and everything, and then moving to the US. And because I'd been traveling up until then, but then going to the U.S., moving to the U.S., a country that is very individualistic, very hyper-focused on results, productivity, all the old thinkings of I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough started to come back because every, like you're in this program and people are talking about these goals and you're feeling this pressure to make it happen. So I think in many ways I did crack under the pressure, but I wasn't aware of it, you know? And also it is a country, America is a country that's all about like, you are what you produce, right? Right. So that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. It is a good and a bad thing, right? Because I just started my first real business and it was failing. And here's the thing. Nobody had said, it seems so weird to me now, but nobody had said in this MBA program, you know what? 
failure is really an important part of life that your first business may fail and that that's okay not all entrepreneurial businesses succeed but everywhere i saw around me was that everyone looked like they were successful and i was the only one that was doing badly and, and social media has a like tendency to do this too Yes. Yeah, so it looked really like everyone was very successful. I was the only one that was struggling, right? Everyone seemed to have their finances together. I was the only one that was floundering. So I got it into my head that I am failing at life and I am a failure. And when I look back at it, I wasn't even 30 yet. I had an MBA. I had traveled so many countries in the world. And I had already convinced myself that I was failing at life. Boston is this city that is so intense because of all the students running around. And it's very hard not to compare yourself. And as, as we talked about, mm -hmm. social media has this tendency to make everybody's life seem perfect. And, uh, and yeah. so therefore, it's so easy to get depressed in such an environment. You were $60,000 in debt, if I, which is a lot of money for anybody, but yes. especially somebody from South Africa earning RAN, which is you know not the weakest currency yeah. in the world, but it's not great. And so how did yep. you get out of that $60,000 hole? Because, I mean, investment banking would have oh, helped you, but you decided gosh. not to do it. <laughs> I decided not to do it. That's actually such a good point. I decided not to do investment banking because when I started my healing journey around the depression, so the depression was kicking in because I was going to interviews and I wasn't getting jobs. Everyone around me that had been in the MBA program seemed to be landing jobs and they dream jobs, but not me. Did you have a work visa already? Uh, no, I didn't have my H-1B because you needed a, an employer to sponsor you. But um, you get an extra year after your student um, visa, right? So I was like going through the motions, going to school, like looking for jobs. But I think you're at and a then, significant disadvantage when you don't have the legal paperwork and you have to all of a sudden give your employer exactly. a $10,000 bill because you're basically, the employer has to sponsor you, which is not free. I mean, they have to spend at least $10,000 exactly. or more. Just so all of a sudden you have already, yep. you're starting behind everybody else uh, just because you don't have the right mm -hmm. paperwork, which is really hard. Exactly. But I didn't think of it that way, right? I didn't see it at all that way. And I think that's what's so sad about comparison, right? You never ever look at things like that. You just go, why is everybody else succeeding and why am I not? You're not looking at it from that point. So I jumped to these weird conclusions. I'm a failure. I'm failing. So in the process of the healing journey where I'm like, I'm going to lean into the depression. I'm going to, I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to explore it. And a friend of mine had said, had you considered that your depression is not just yours uh, alone, it is ancestral. So I go on this journey of ancestral healing because I come from a family of Sangomas slash shamans. And I was like, okay, let me go on this deep journey. And in the midst of that, something hits me. I don't want to do investment banking, but I believed my whole life that the only way to get financial freedom was investment banking. Um, everyone around me has been talking, uh, talked about how you become a chartered accountant, how you become an investment banker. These are the ways that you make money, right? So I realized that I don't even want to work 16 hour work days, but somewhere along the line, in our society, not even in my family, but throughout 
my schooling years, society, I've gotten it into my head that the only way to have financial freedom, to live the life that I want, is for me to become an investment banker, to work 16-hour days, to do all these things. So then came this whole journey of what is it that I actually want to do? And how did you arrive to that answer? Well, the truth is that my whole life, I've only wanted to be one thing when I was truly honest with myself, which was a writer. I've always just wanted to write. It's what I did from a very young age. I was always writing short stories, writing all sorts of things. So guess what I did? In the midst of me looking for a job, I start writing a book. But I didn't think it was going to get published. I didn't imagine that. I come back to South Africa and I'm like, I'm just going to write this book. At the time, I have no real reason. I'm just following what is within my soul. And I actually sat and wrote the book and finished it. And can I tell you, the minute I put my last full stop, I cried. This is the true story. I cried to the universe and I said, I don't know what to do with this book now. I'm done. Like, I'm done with it. Five minutes later, I received a phone call. It was from the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. I had sent them one of my poems called This is the Suicide Note I Will Never Write. And they called me and they said, please, can you go on TV and do talk show stuff for us starting tomorrow talking about depression? And would you know it, some of the talk shows were business with business talk shows, and they happened to ask me, what do you, what have you been doing for the last few months? And I said, I've been writing a book, and what are the chances that on one of those talk shows, a publisher is watching, and they would contact the, the talk show producer and ask for my details, and literally a week after I put that final full stop, I had a publishing deal. Four months later, my books was were all my book was all over bookstores in South Africa and I was in the media and that go ahead happened. and plug your book the name of it <laughs> heart mind and money using emotional intelligence for financial success excellent and is that do you have others that are either already done or do you have more in the works yes yes I've got go ahead and list um, them I've got the Holistic Wealth Manifesto, but that's just an ebook format. Then I've got my journal, which is the Next Level You, Woman, Money Journal. It's uh, There's a part one, which is the first six months, and then part two, which is the next six months. So you can journal for six months using the womb and working through your money stuff. And then the next one is coming out soon, the next book. Let's talk also about finding the ability to travel to countries when you have a mediocre passport. You have a South African passport, which is not horrible. I mean, certainly worse ones out there, and it's not, but it's not great either. So any uh, tips that you can give our listeners? I really do enjoy having a South African passport for the most part. But yeah, there's some countries that we can't get into without visas for sure. Uh, and I think America is also going to have to start getting European visas, right? But it probably won't be as hectic as us. Um, but so the first thing is look, research countries where you don't need visas. I know I've lived in over 12 countries, but I've been to almost all the countries in Asia visited. Um, okay, I've been <laughs> I visited to Saudi Arabia. Uh, not Saudi, not that. I've been to Dubai. I've been um, okay. to parts, which parts of Iraq, Iran. Okay. 
Syria. No, so okay, maybe not the Middle <laughs> East, more like Southeast Asia. Okay, I okay. Mean, to yeah, Dubai yeah. Only. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I always remind Dubai. people that Asia is bigger than we think. <laughs> I know. Like I always go like Middle East and Asia, right? So right, 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 right. The Middle East is in Asia. Is West in Asia. Asia. This is so terrible. Yes, it's, it's terrible. Of it's me. not its own continent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So you basically so, been to East Asia. Yes, um, and India and, and some of Central Asia, Lanka. maybe. Yeah. So, all the stones. Um, <laughs> not all okay, the stones. Okay, okay. I still have to okay, go. Okay. Uh, I'm eyeing Kazakhstan really, really hard. I think there's also some challenges to get into West Africa for a South African. Uh, no. no. No? No. So basically no. there's, the, yeah. because West Africa can be a challenge for visas and middle Africa, like the Congo and all these places sometimes can be difficult. No. I, it's, I've, I've read many articles of Africans making it difficult. I know because I traveled with Rejoice, my, uh, my wife from Cameroon, we would go to, we yeah. went to 32 African countries together and it was always wow. much, much easier for me to go to an African country than Seriously? for her. Seriously? Absolutely. It happened wow. all the time. Um, so I was curious. Wow, if, but I know so South Africa being the, one of the richest countries, certainly in the sub-Sahara, it makes things a whole lot different than Cameroon. And so you just be, be happy for your passport. I'll give you one quick anecdote. It's just humiliating sometimes. I remember <laughs> once we were in the... We were in Ethiopia, I think it was, and in the capital, and we went to the Tanzanian embassy to try to get a visa for Tanzania. And she was talking for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was sitting down in the in the waiting room, just sitting there, and she was talking, get, getting peppered with all sorts of questions, like, you know, why are you going, what are you doing, and all this other stuff. And then in the end, uh, I just oh, went up to the counter and said, what's going on, honey? And, and then the person said, who is this person? And I said, he's my husband. And I said, okay. You can, and then he said, come pick up your visa on Thursday. No more questions. As soon as I showed my little white face, all the questions went away and you're into, you can go to Tanzania. No problem. So she faced constant problems, discrimination and challenges as as an African going to Africa. And she found it very infuriating and humiliating. And so I'm glad to see that for at least South Africans don't have that uh, issue, which is great. I haven't had that issue, but that, that is really distressing. That is really so distressing what, to hear. If people, your story is so fascinating. I mean, you, you can go on and on. And luckily, you've written <laughs> books about these things. So, uh, but I do. Yeah. I, I love your um, your tenacity. I love the fact that you've been able to live in over a dozen countries. That you've visited dozens more. Uh, I've loved the fact that mm-hmm. you pursued an MBA and yet took the the less lucrative path because you decided to follow your passion. Mm-hmm. All these things are very yeah. inspirational. I know you also have a business to help people find their calling in life and, and to help yeah. find peace in themselves. So as we wrap this up, just give people uh, an idea of where they can find you and where they can uh, connect with you. Yeah, so I help mainly women of color heal ancestral money trauma uh, so they can double their income and live their best lives. And what I have, um, where people can find me is on my website at wealthy-money.com. But I also have a free seven-day training where people can, where it's uh, called seven-day training to tap into your ancestral money wisdom so people can figure out how they can make money in a way that is more aligned with their ancestral history so that you don't 
go from pillar to post and it's more like in alignment with your calling and who you are as a person, right? And basically utilizing your core strengths. And people can find that at wealthy-money.com forward slash training. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash training. And you can... Yeah, and you can find me under Vangile Makwakwa on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Find me under Wealthy Money on Facebook. So you you took a little bit of a hiatus from social media, but then you kind of inched back in because obviously it's hard as an author to make money and uh, because you have to do promotion as an author yes. to get your, the word out. So you, 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 after you healed yourself and you kind of recalibrated the way you perceive the world, you were able to then confidently go back into social media and deal with the ups and downs of social media. Yeah, I have a very interesting relationship with social media. I'm going back in again. I've been on a hiatus again and now I'm going back in. But for the most part, I love social media. You know, yeah, it has I've many benefits as a business tool. Yeah, but I also do take many, I take a bit of time off once in a while to just like recalibrate and rethink and go within and just remember who I am, you know, so I can speak from my own voice. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F-Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F-Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. Thank you.